This is the Down East DM Podcast. Welcome. My name is Jeff Holmes. I am your host for today's podcast. We have a great talk by Dr. Matthew Delaney today. He is an assistant program director and assistant professor of emergency medicine at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. He's giving a talk on analgesic use in the ED, some of the literature about what works, what doesn't work, and maybe some uh, practice changing tips that you can use in your next shift. This was recorded at the Maine Medical Center Winter Symposium in 2018 in Sugarloaf, Maine. All right, so analgesics in the emergency department, what works and what doesn't work. I think most of us, the training we have in how to use analgesics is kind of the first time you saw a clinical environment as like a pre-med student or a third year, and somebody that was working said, this is what I give for pain and this seems to work. And there's always, I mean, any opinion you have, your partner is gonna think is the stupidest way to treat pain. And so what I tried to do is look and see what can the literature tell us about analgesics? What should we be doing in the ED? And I wanted to do a deep dive. Nobody's paid me since yesterday, no disclosures. And when I did a deep dive, it's a perfect 10 minute talk because the literature is really super strange when we look at analgesics in the ED. There are two or three trends that kind of pop out and that's what we're going to go through. The first is this idea of oligoanalgesia. We've heard about this across all demographics. We've got pretty compelling data that we undertreat pain. I would disagree with this strongly. I, I think that I'm a pretty heavy-handed guy with pain meds in the ED, but this is what my department looks like and I think a lot of you guys can relate. And so the idea that I see a patient, I care, I'm trying to be compassionate, I give them pain medication, but then when they leave, their pain has been undertreated. If you really stop and think, that's very believable. A lot of these patients I see once, maybe I'll go back in and talk to them as they're leaving. But so we are consistently in all settings with all different types of patients under treating pain, or that's what the patients tell us. My pain was not adequately treated. The overall data is super strange. And if you think about it, you can't really have a, a standard or controlled painful stimulus. Or you're not gonna get a lot of people that sign up and say, put me in pain and then study to see if this medication works. And so what the researchers have had to do is try to find what's the most standardized thing. And so over 80% of the analgesic data we have comes from uh, wisdom tooth extraction. So they take young, healthy people, it's mostly male, they pull out their wisdom teeth, give them a one-time dose and say, at 30 minutes, 15, 30, 45, 60, how do you feel? And so that's not what we see in the ED most of the time, but that's when we have studies that say this pain medication works, it's typically a one-time dose in somebody out of an oral surgeon's office. So trying to decipher this weird data, the idea that we're under treating pain, the other thing is what works. So most of the studies for something to work, for an analgesic to work, you have to get greater than or equal to 50% reduction in your pain from the start. That's a little bit strange because if you give me hydromorphone and I say that I feel better and my pain's, I'm much more comfortable, I, that may be a really good outcome for me personally, but in some of these studies I would get marked as a failure because I didn't numerically get less than 50%. So that's the data that we're dealing with and all the things that we've been taught, we have to kind of look through the lens of what are we really doing here. But trying to drill down, there are three things. I think we need IV protocols for pain meds. We need to use combinations of oral meds, and then we're going to talk about topical NSAIDs. We need IV protocols, and the simple reason we need them is because the correct dose of IV analgesics doesn't work. So the book dose of morphine, 0.1 mg per kg, if you give that, only 33% of patients are going to have adequate pain relief at 30 minutes and in an hour. We think of hydromorphone and Dilaudid as being better. That, this is a decent dose of hydromorphone, and only 43% of patients are going to feel better. So this, this is the approach that I've taken for years. As I go in, it, you've got a long bone fracture, you must really be in pain. I give you one or two of Dilaudid, and I come back, and it, 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 I've not adequately treated your pain. So Matt's already bringing up a great point. The traditional IV protocols that we learned of 0.1 milligrams per kilogram of morphine IV 
or 0.015 milligrams per kilogram of hydromorphone IV really don't cut it. They only work about 33% or 40% of the time at most. So we need some alternative strategy for treating moderate to severe pain with IV analgesics. PCAs, patient-controlled analgesia, were kind of the bell of the ball for a couple of years. My hospital hated them because they were expensive and logistically difficult, but a lot of the kind of nursing administrators pushed for these. There's a study out, and all these studies are in the handout um, on the website, but recent study found that if you were randomized to normal treatment, we just give you what we're going to give you, or we give you a PCA in the ED. If you're in the PCA arm, it took longer to get your pain medication, and there was no difference in results. So I think PCAs probably aren't the answer, but the idea that, okay, we should give you multiple doses of medication that seems to be going in a better direction. And this next article that Dr. Delaney is going to talk about is by uh, Lovochki et al. It's entitled Intravenous Morphine Titration to Treat Severe Pain in the ED. It was published in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine in July of 2008. This is a weird study. So the patients got three milligrams of morphine Q5 minutes. And they said, that, they said oh, it's a success. Most people only needed three doses. 15% needed 10 or more doses. In my department, there would be 0% chance that you get a nurse to reassess a patient 10 times. Uh, nonetheless, give them 10 doses. So I think, again, it's the idea that we need to redose is probably true. This is a practical study that I think has been a game changer in my department. This next study that Dr. Delaney is talking about as a game changer is entitled Efficacy of an Acute Pain Titration Protocol Driven by Patient Response to a Simple Query. Do you want more pain medication? This was published by Chang et al. in May of 2016 in the Annals of Emergency Medicine. What they did is they got pain scores, but they also just talked to the patient. They had painful conditions. They put a lot of folks in and they said, hey, you have pain. We're going to give you one of hydromorphone. And in 30 minutes, we're going to ask, do you want more pain medication? And we can do that up to three times. And so they were getting the scores, but really just asking the patients, do you feel like you need more pain medication? 93% only got one to two doses. So one redose or two redoses. Everybody was better by four doses. And so for me, I think this is a really easy thing to implement. And you don't even need a big power plant or anything like that. You can just tell your nurse, hey, in 30 minutes, ask the guy if he wants more Dilaudid, and if he says yes, give him the Dilaudid, and you're going to be treating 93% of your patients adequately just with something that simple. We need to use combinations of oral medication, and the reason we need to use combinations is because single dose, single agent oral analgesics don't work. And again, a lot of this comes from that weird wisdom tooth literature, but if you look across other pain studies, people who got a gram of acetaminophen, only half the people had adequate pain relief. And if you got ibuprofen, only 40% got adequate pain relief. When you look at the numbers needed to treat, and this is, I've got a broader uh, version of this in the handout, so you can look up all of your favorite oral, oral analgesics. What you see is that the numbers needed to treat for combinations are really impressive. So 400 of ibuprofen, a gram of acetaminophen, your number needed to treat is 1.5. Percocet 10, your number needed to treat is almost 3.5. So this is what I would consider a very strong medication that I don't often write for. When you get to oxycodone 5, which is kind of my go-to, your number needed to treat, if you're being honest, approaches infinity. And in a lot of the studies, your oxycodone has to be given at 15 milligram doses to, to have a chance to beat placebo. So a lot of what we're doing has bad numbers needed to treat. The issue that I found with patients is convincing them to take over-the-counter medicines. Percogesic is one of my favorite because it's acetaminophen with Benadryl and you can write a prescription for it and they think they're getting some per um, and there's actually data to say that that's got a pretty good number needed to treat. It's a little bit of trickery, um, and, but this is where this is where you can advocate for your patient and capitalize on poor healthcare literacy and say, listen, you know, we're going to write you these things on a prescription pad. But patients who want to feel better, I'll actually say, listen, these taken together have a really good chance of getting you feeling better. 
Topical insets, I mean, I'm kind of into like the pseudoscience of medicine anyway, but topical insets to me really were the, the fringe of, you know, we're gonna give a patient a lotion to rub on their skin, they're gonna feel better. I think there's there's reason to think that these are very good medications. First, NSAIDs are good medications. If we look at over-the-counter analgesics outside of combinations, the Cochrane collaboration consistently says that NSAIDs perform outperform acetaminophen and they both outperform placebo. So NSAIDs work, we all know they're not a perfect drug. So the rate of GI upset is 15 to 20%, that's in short course. And if you look at folks who have any kind of longer term condition, they've got about a 20% rate of ulcers on endoscopy when you go and check these folks. So we know that there are risks with NSAIDs, but NSAIDs work. Topical stuff works. People love to rub themselves down with cream. So when we talk about the placebo effect, the placebo effect works. So if you give people sugar pills, they're gonna feel better. The average placebo effect is gonna be about 12%. So if I give Dan a, a Tic Tac this morning, 12% chance that his pain will be adequately treated. We love complicated placebos. And so what we see across multiple studies is that topical placebos have a treatment effect of about 20%. So NSAIDs work and people love to rub lotion on themselves. So what we need to do is take the placebo effect and take the active medication. And this is actually how most medicines, or all medicines work when you think about it because you're getting the real bump from the placebo effect. And then when you add in the real bump from the medication, the efficacy really starts to go up. The efficacy of topical NSAIDs is pretty impressive. The only one we have in the US is diclofenac. And so this is topical NSAIDs just versus placebo. So cream versus cream with, uh, with NSAIDs in. The number needed to treat at 1.8 is pretty darn good. Remember 1.5 is as good as we can get in, in all of the analgesics that we've got. A recent study came out, it was. That study Dr. Delaney is referring to is entitled Equivalent Study of a Topical Diclofenac Solution Compared with Oral Diclofenac in Symptomatic Treatment of Osteoarthritis of the Knee, a Randomized Controlled Trial. That was in the Journal of Rheumatology in October 2004 by Tugwell et al. And that's really the, the question is, I don't want to trick you and give you a placebo, but what if we compare this to an oral inset? Both worked well, so the efficacy was the same with low numbers needed to treat. The side effect rate was the same, but the side effects of the patient, Scott, were totally different. So in the oral group, they got the normal GI side effects. In the topical group, there, there were no GI side effects. There, there was nothing that happened other than they said that I had some dry skin. Um, and that rate was seen, this, you see that rate of about 20% of folks say my skin is dry when you do the, the topical placebo as well. One of the interesting things is this is a great option for patients who say, I can't take NSAIDs and then give you the laundry list, including allergies. So there's good safety data that unless the patients had anaphylaxis to NSAIDs before, that this is a reasonable option. And so kind of in our aging population, folks who, who aren't great candidates for oral NSAIDs, I think we've got a good drug that seems to work well. And the only side effects we'd really have to anticipate is, hey, your skin might get a little bit dry. And that, when they ask the patients, they don't really care that much about that. Um, I'm not pushing Voltaren, but this is the one that's available in the US. The reason we've not used it, or historically it's been pretty expensive. So if you go to goodrx.com, and this is all in the handout, you can get a coupon for the patient. So the cash price, no insurance, is 18 bucks, which is pretty good. Most, And I'm in, in a department where people have no money, and patients have actually had really good experience with this. Um, and then the dosing, what I do is I'll write for um, you know a couple of refills for them, and it's three to four times a day, and say put a, the size of a couple of almonds in your hand and rub it on the infected area. They can take other medicines. I wouldn't add NSAIDs, oral NSAIDs on top of this, but this seems to work well and patients seem pretty happy with it. So analgesics in the ED, it's nice because it's from a literature standpoint, the Wild West, so you can kind of do what you want. But I think we've got to realize that having some kind of IV protocol call is going to make our job easier. We need to look at combination agents. And again, the big issue is convincing the patient, but that's kind of the smoke and mirrors of medicine. That's why we get paid to do what we do is because we can talk patients into doing stuff. And then I think topical insets for me have been a game changer and really opened up that whole category of medicine and patients that otherwise I would have had to shy away from. That's my email. Everything's in the handout.
It, I've got 22 seconds for questions. There's a question from the audience. If they get dry skin from their topical ansates, do you just tell them to use more? <laughs> That's a, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And some of them don't think so. Some of them think you're supposed to put it like a fentanyl patch or something, so they'll rub it not on the affected area. So I'll just tell them, like, no, put it where it hurts. Um, but yeah, you can always help you do some more to treat your dry skin. Other questions? Yeah, that's. What's your um, cutoff for painful conditions for the Dilaudid protocol? What do you? So this, so that. Patients qualify for that. That's a tough question. This this study was very broad. It said that they had pain and they used pain score greater than six. Um, I will short term put, be fairly inclusive. So if you really seem uncomfortable, I'm willing to do it. Doesn't mean you're going home with narcotics, but but I'm fairly broad with it. Um, that's Pandora's box of what does a couple of doses of Dilaudid do. But but I we at our shop are pretty inclusive with it, unless you're blatantly just there for the protocol. Okay. Another question from the audience was, if you have a patient with chronic kidney disease, do you have to worry about giving topical NSAIDs? So the systemic absorption is 1%. So it's very, very unlikely that it's going to hurt your kidneys. You'll get patients who are like, my kidney doctor doesn't want me on NSAIDs. And so there's like a brittle person who's almost on dialysis. Maybe I'd shy away from it. But I think you've got good, the medicine side of it says that it's safe and very unlikely to do anything to your kidneys. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Matt. That was a great summary. So let's go over those IV dosing again. When we think about those traditional IV dosing for morphine and hydromorphone, that's 0.1 milligrams per kilogram of morphine IV or 0.015 milligrams per kilogram of hydromorphone. We really find they only treat pain at best around 43% of the time, morphine a little bit less. When we look at a more optimal strategy. It's probably repeated dosing. And the one that probably works the best is one milligrams of hydromorphone every 30 minutes for up to three doses. And what they found was that about 93% of the time, patients only needed one to two doses and all were essentially better by four doses. When we look at oral analgesics, the literature says that they work, but probably don't work well. When you think of a gram of acetaminophen or 400 milligrams of ibuprofen, they work about 50% and 40% of the time at best. So Dr. Delaney is advocating for combinations of acetaminophen and ibuprofen at varying doses because they can really provide superior pain relief to the most commonly prescribed oral analgesics. And lastly, Dr. Delaney wanted to think a little bit about topical NSAIDs. So they combined the analgesic properties of oral NSAIDs with the placebo effect from the use of a lotion. And what they found was that patients experienced moderate rates of skin irritation, but essentially had no other, none of those GI or systemic adverse effects. So this is definitely something to consider in patients who need chronic pain medication, especially ones where you're trying to avoid any oral opiates, and who may have a higher risk of some of those gastrointestinal side effects like ulcers. Thank you, Dr. Laney, for a great talk. Uh, make sure you check out our show notes at www.downeastem.org. And thanks for tuning in.